0: Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. Why? Because I speak about the things that nobody else is talking about, the things that matter to you, like how to make your first 100K, what the struggle is like before making your first 100K. What is that mental game going on in your brain, right? That mental game of entrepreneurship. Plus, I tackle the common challenges that, Many entrepreneurs like yourself are secretly going through, but just won't admit. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur. I've seen both sides of success. I own two co-working spaces here in Tampa, and I get to coach hundreds of entrepreneurs on how to make their first 100K or their next 100K. This show is created for you, the entrepreneur or homepreneur who's struggling to break through. Wherever you are in your business, I believe you're just 100K away. If this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. And if you're one of the thousands of listeners who listen to us in over 30 countries right now, every single week, I just want to say thank you for coming back every single week. This show does not happen without you. Today, our guest, our featured guest is Todd Palmer. Todd is a published author. He wrote the book, The Job Search Process, how to find and land a great job in six weeks or less, put a time frame on it. There's like a guarantee there, right? That's a bold claim. Todd is also the CEO of a six-time Inc. 5000 company. And what Todd does is he's a thought leader, right? He's an executive coach. He's an author who's committed to improving lives. And he works specifically in the talent space, right? So those are the, the, the blood of flow of your company, right? Bringing on talent, people. That's what's all about. You got process and you got profits, but before either of those, you have people. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, Todd, we're going to get into how you made the Inc. 5000 list six times, how you did that, how our audience can do it, uh, how to grow a business, but not grow out of the business, right? Um, I want to hear the story about how Todd, you know, fired his entire company in one day, and then started over. That takes balls, right? But sometimes it's needed. I've done that personally, right? So we're gonna get into it. So Todd, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you?
1: Absolutely, Joe, thanks first of all for having me. It's a, gonna be a great pleasure to be here. I can already feel by your energy and your, your passion for your audience that they're gonna be on uh, quite the wild ride with us together today. Um, so you, you, know, you kind of alluded to the fact of you know, the people are the lifeblood of a business, and that is by far the most accurate statement we're seeing in the marketplace, not only for our recruiting company diversified staffing, but also for our consulting practice extraordinary advisors that the number one problem in today's society is the ability to locate, attract, and keep great talent, because that's really the, the ultimate divider between the companies that reach the 100K and the ones that do not. Whether the people is ju- are just the entrepreneur or the people helping the entrepreneur, it really all starts with people. The people make the decisions about cash, strategy, execution, and who stays on the team and who leaves the team. So for me, it all comes down to the people. I
0: love it. So we have Todd Palmer on the show. You can find him at extraordinaryadvisors.com forward slash 100K. You put up a special page just for our first 100K listeners um, and we'll talk about what he's offering there for you guys. So that's extraordinary advisors. Sometimes we misspell extraordinary, just write extraordinaryadvisors.com forward slash 100k. All right, Todd, let's get into it. Uh, share with us something personal that very few people in your business life know about you.
1: Well, I think the the most important thing for your audience to understand is that. Mistakes are going to happen, and I've made a boatload of them. Um, in 2006, and it's, it's humbling to say that we were $600,000 in debt, 60 days away from running out of cash. We had a dysfunctional company culture. Hmm. And on September 9th in 2006, I walked in and fired everybody and started over. From that point, um, I had to recognize and realize that the change, first and foremost, needed to come from me, the entrepreneur. I was suffering from an immense case of imposter syndrome, where I thought I had to have all the answers all the time. I isolated myself. I didn't create that team around me that I needed. And it's, it's important, I think, for entrepreneurs to recognize that an entrepreneur alone is an entrepreneur at risk. And it's something that I suffered from, that I had to work through, and it's something I still some, sometimes suffer from, thinking I have to be the oracle. I've got to have all the solutions and all the answers. And the, the reality is that no one has all the answers and it's all about failing forward to reach the success of, of breaking through that 100K that your audience is so, so desperately trying to do.
0: Startup Nation, right out the gate, Todd has just dropped a wisdom explosion. Are you trying to do your business all by yourself? Are you being the lone ranger in your business right now? If so, you are on the path that many of us have already walked and it leads to a cliff. And it leads to death, death of your business and uh, so many other things in, in your life, right? So Todd speaking to that, do not do it alone. You don't have to have all the answers, that's a lie. You want a team around you of people who each have different answers, right? That when you put them all together, all of a sudden, you have a lot of the answers needed for your business and your industry. So, Todd, let's get right into it. My audience loves context. How much revenue, gross revenue, did your business do approximately in the last 12 months?
1: Approximately last 12 months, we've exceeded $7 million in revenue that's awesome well done congratulations thank you thank you and the um the really interesting thing is we are in a nickels business we have to do we have to create a lot of revenue to make a little bit of money so a lot if, of volume is a what lot think. of volume if i if i were to do it over again <laughs> i would do i work um this i work just as hard but for a lot stronger margins so when people say well i want to reach 100k in you want to reach. i want to reach 100k i the first question i often ask them is do you want to reach that in revenue or do you want to reach that and take home money in your pocket? Because those are two very different variables. I was very much wrapped up with my staffing business. How quickly can I get to 20 million? How quickly can I get to 50 million? Because I wanted to put a certain dollar amount in my pocket. Uh, since the age of 22, I was a single parent raising my son by myself. And I knew that that was a very, very important job, but also a very expensive costly job. you uh, need to think thankfully he just graduated from college and some of those those costs have now been reduced. But at the end of the day, and I say this a lot to 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 uh, entrepreneurs and when I when I go out and speak for extraordinary advisors, we talk about be margin focused, not revenue focused. And I talk about the mistakes. I got $600,000 in debt because I was revenue focused and not margin focused. We ended up being the client we ended up being the bank for our clients we would give terms that were ridiculous, 90 day terms, 120 day terms. People are going to take advantage of me when I did that. Now our terms are 14 to 21 days. Our turn on cash is quicker. We have an A plus rating with our bank. We have a, a tremendous line of credit, which in the staffing industry is nearly impossible to get because of all the mistakes that I made when I was younger and being focused again on the revenue, not on the margin. Now in everything we do, we focus on the margin. We're in a, a spot where the country's at full employment, we can actually charge more for what we do on the recruiting side of the business. And, and we do, and we don't make any apologies for it because if you do something really well, you should always get fair market value.
0: I like it. So speak to you know, my listener that maybe some of them um, don't really get what you mean by focus on the margins rather than the, the gross revenue.
1: Well, every industry has a certain acceptable margin to it so I'll, I'll, I'll speak on everything you know we do staffing mm-hmm. typical staffing margins you got your net margin which is going to run anywhere from 18 to thirty percent then you or you got your gross margin 18 to thirty percent and you got your net margin which is going to drop anywhere from eight to twelve percent to the bottom line the closer you are to that twelve percent to the bottom line obviously the more money you're going to make also, it makes you much more attractive to your bank. It makes you more attractive if you are building your business to sell. Instead of selling for three times the value, you can sell for five times the value. So you're putting almost twice as much money in your pocket upon sale. Take a look at a tech, the tech space. Those companies can sometimes run 50 to 80% gross margins. Those net margins, and when they fall to the bottom line, it's a very profitable business. You can do $600,000, 700000 potentially in gross revenue and put three four $400,000 in your pocket. Hmm. Much less risk, much less um, exposure on the marketplace. And you're basically selling your time and your wares at a much more profitable rate versus, you know, being a staffing company doing 10 million to make 200,000.
0: Hmm. So startup nation, you know, look at your own business right now, right? And look at the margin. What's that profit margin within your business, so for example, are you grossing, you know, 1 million dollars, but your take home is only 40,000? right because that's that's actually I've seen that <laughs> right you you got I lived it yeah right you got a million dollar the company but you're only bringing in $40,000 you know take home to pay for your family right that's that's not working so how do you increase that profit margin right how do you increase the product right maybe it's maybe you're not charging enough right like Todd's saying look at your business right now and say what's the average ticket price on my product in my industry, right? What's the high, what's the low. And then you
1: want to be priced somewhere in between. Would you say that's accurate, Todd? I would definitely say that's accurate. Because take a, take a, that's how typically the buyer will buy. They, they, not everybody can afford the highest end piece. People are concerned though, when they're paying the cheapest piece because then they think they're going to get the cheapest product. It, it studies show they're going to buy the one in the middle more often. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I would suggest taking a look at. Uh, second thing I would take a look at is are you who is, you, who, is you, who do you service? I worked with a company they were struggling to they'd been in business for twenty four years owned by two sisters and they made a, what they felt was a unique product, but it was still in a commodity space. They made candles and they were figuring okay, what we need to do is we need to go wider we need to go into being instead of being so niche focused we need to go into Walmart we need to get into the big box retailer well, when they took a look at that strategy. They found that they're actually gonna spend a lot more and make a lot less per candle sold. Instead what they did is they took a very unique approach. They decided to go deeper into their niche which was uh, essentially in the, the holistic category. Uh, they went actually deeper into that niche. They found new distribution channels and they actually increased their margins while slowly increasing their sales and they took them about three years but they went from 600,000 to a million and actually made more money because a lot of entrepreneurs will are willing to trade working 40 hours for someone else to work 60, 70 hours for themselves if they can essentially have that freedom and flexibility but ultimately have that payout at the end and they were struggling to get there. And We had to figure out that basically they weren't charging enough for their product. They weren't charging mm-hmm. enough for what they did and the uniqueness in which they provide. And that is a huge mental shift for mm-hmm. most entrepreneurs to recognize that I do bring value to the market. I should charge a reasonable fee. Um, it's just that piece. And then I guess the final part I'd like to make is are, what are your days outstanding? What are your receivables look like? If you can take a look and you can convert your cash quicker, that will improve your margins. And if you've got more cash in hand, if you can buy with cash versus buying with credit, which credit erodes your margin, you're going to be in a much better position. There's five or six different levers just beyond the price point that entrepreneurs can take a look at to put more money in their pocket. I love it.
0: Yeah. So I know with our uh, co-working space, right. We went through that initially where we were um, not getting all the money up front. Right. So when someone signed for an office or whatever, we would have them put down a very, Oh, just pay the first month. Right. And, and it's moving because we wanted to be, you know, so attractive in our, uh, against our competitors, but it was hitting us. It was dinging us and there was no stickiness, Um, with that that client right so they would want to up and leave them 30 days later or whatever so then we went with you know what it's a three month minimum and you're going to pay first month you're going to pay last month and you're going to pay a security deposit and that was a bold move initially for us and scary like is this going to turn away people is it going to we're going to lose potential customers it actually turned them on even more and they were happy to pay that and they're like oh this is like just getting like an apartment first month last month security we're like yeah. And it ended up just creating more profit for us. We weren't waiting on the money. Um, you know, All that risk was minimized for us, et cetera. So Startup Nation, look at what Todd's saying. This is powerful, simple strategy. It's simple, it's
1: simple, but it's powerful. Todd, well, let's I, get- I respect yeah. what you did, because I think it sounds like what you did is you attracted the kind of client you wanted, not the cl- just any client. And that's the biggest challenge, I think, is especially for early stage entrepreneurs who are trying to get to that, that first six-figure billing is they'll take everybody, everybody. everybody's a client. No, not everybody's not a client. And I think as you're proving out with your business, you're bringing in the ideal client. And one of the big exercises we have entrepreneurs do is figure out who your ideal client is versus just taking out anybody.
0: Mm. That's good. And listen, startup nation, I want to be real and vulnerable with you, right? Just as Todd is being with us that, you know, we don't have it all figured out with our co-working space. Like I'm going through a shift right now. Um, We're doing well. We have two locations, but I have to like really sit right now and it's not working out with one of our landlords and I have to like sit and do I, do I stay at this location? Do I move all our members? What does that look like? And a friend of mine, uh, he said it this way, he's like, well, Joseph, you know how I feel about staying in a relationship that's not working, right? That's not a good decision. And I said, I get that. At the same time, if we're using that relationship metaphor, I have to also consider in this relationship, I have, you know, several hundred children that I have to think about, right? And relocating them to a different house and what that would look like. And you know, startup nation. It's like, you're going to deal with these struggles. Even when you hit different plateaus of success, there's new struggles, there's new challenges that you have to face, right? And you, and you got to take them on. So Todd, step back for a second. Let's go big. Let's go wide. Why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs are struggling to make their first 100 K? You
1: know, I think the biggest challenge they run into is they're trying to cover all facets of the business by themselves often. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: I remember when I started the company we didn't we didn 't even have the internet yet i I feel like a dinosaur probably talking to a bunch of of uh, young folks, but it's like they, we hadn't had the internet literally it was me, a desk, a phone book that was my that was my call list and a, and a phone that plugged into the wall. Nowadays, you can do business just about anywhere in a multitude of different fashions and with with freelancer nation thought processes and the upworks and the the different tools out there you can run a very successful business and plug into the expertise you need at a very cost-effective rate. And you don't have to be having, you don't have to have all the answers. Um, I think, so that's the first thing I think entrepreneurs will try to do almost everything themselves to save a buck. Mm. Secondarily, I think a lot of entrepreneurs know how they can do something, but they lack that, that reflection within to know why they're doing something. What is their purpose? What is their passion? What, why did they do what they do? One of my favorite authors is Simon Sinek in his classic book, "The why, and he talks about how Steve Jobs figured out why he did what he did, how he did what he did. And oh, by the way, his deliverable was the Apple computer. But he wasn't, he didn't wanna be in the computer business, he wanted to be in, in the education business. And the, the computer was the, the deliverable mechanism. And I think, I think lastly, there's such a huge sense of failure the fear of failure that that entrepreneurs run into. Well, of all time, Colonel Sanders from Kentucky Fried Chicken. And he was first, he he didn't change his business model until the age of 65. He went out, lost his only restaurant, got in the car, drove around the country, slept in his car, selling the one asset he had, which was his chicken recipe. He went on 1,009 sales appointments before he made his first sale. That's stick-to-itiveness, That's commitment, and a lot of entrepreneurs will simply just quit too soon. Imagine if Colonel Sanders quit on appointment number one thousand because that was his goal, versus po- appointment number one thousand nine. Within ten years, he had six hundred locations, and he wasn't a, he wasn't an overnight success until the age of sixty six. So my point of that is, you've got to be you've got to be comfortable failing forward, and it's really never too late to get started.
0: I get that. So, Todd, we talk uh, very often on the show about what's your superpower, right? What's that one thing um, that you're just naturally gifted at that you should be doing and then outsourcing uh, to your team, all the other things, right? So I know this is speaking directly to what you specialize in, right, with team and staffing and all that. So what would you consider to be your um, superpower and how did you discover that?
1: You know, my, my superpower, I, I think really comes down to, I just have a, a high sense of resilience and, and a, a crazy ability to take risks but calculated risks. Most of the risks I've ever taken are very measured. Uh, I thankfully have a, I have a good strong right brain left brain combination. Um, most, most people think that <laughs> maybe not all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but really for me I, I can I can take apart a very complex problem, put it into a bunch of different buckets and figure out how best to attack it. It's almost like Neo seeing the matrix. Uh, I can see I can see those pieces and put them together and that and I can do it in a very calm and measured fashion or most entrepreneurs will run hot and cold so quickly that every decisions are made out of emotion and I get, I've been able to teach myself and the and acquire the ability to to break the problem into a slow methodical burn so that the best decisions are reached and they're typically data driven decisions not an emotional driven decision and I've given up, I think the biggest life lesson I've been able to acquire is the ability to give up being the smartest kid in the room. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are very bright, and we're often the the people in our schools who are the ones who are leading things, who are seeing things differently, and who are are striving, and that isolates us sometimes, and we have to be the smartest kid in the class. Um, the, The power of the knowledge of the room and the leader speaking last, not speaking first, one of the biggest life lessons I've had to learn as well. So I think my overall superpower as I'm really talking it through with you is my willingness to be a lifelong learner and my willingness to recognize that I don't have to have all the answers to get to the right answer.
0: That's powerful, right? I like, I like what you just said there as far as being the person who speaks last in the room. Well, what are you doing in the meantime? You're listening you're listening to what everybody else is sharing, you're gathering the facts, you're looking at the data, and then from there, holistically, you're bringing everything together, you're aggregating it so that you have more facts to make a decision upon. And I, and I always believe this, Todd, is that decisions, there's no such thing as a difficult decision to make. There's only not enough information.
1: Right, well, and the right? fact of the matter is too, we, we, as entrepreneurs, I'm sure you can attest to this, we typically make decisions with only 70% of the information because you never get 100% of the information.
0: If that, if, if that. that, most, yeah. many of us are making it with 10% of the information and we're like, this looks good. And we run and we charge and then we fall on our face because yeah. we didn't take the
1: time to go, let me get more information about yeah. what I'm and about. When you talk about the aspect of listening, I think it's valuable to recognize there are two different ways that we listen and I see this a lot with the people I coach and it's really taking the entrepreneur, walking the entrepreneur off the ledge so many times because they are so, they are so bright. They listen to respond. They don't listen to absorb and that ability to listen, to take in what your staff is saying without listening to, okay, I, okay. They said that, here's what i got to say back. That ability to absorb and listen will often bring out the very best ideas in the room. And that's what, I think an entrepreneur should be striving for is the best idea in the room. And the other thing that even when entrepreneurs, you know, I I hear this a lot is they'll say, well, I talked to my CPA. I talked to my attorney, you know, my trusted advisors. Well, attorneys and CPAs are going to basically answer your questions, but they're not going to create the ideas. So you've got to walk in with three or four different ideas, and they will give you potentially the advice on how to execute one of those ideas. But you can't look to your, to your quote-unquote trusted advisors, your CPAs, your attorneys to create ideas because they really are just more – I mean, they're, they're really skilled trades professionals. They've learned the skill of accounting. They've learned the skill of law, and they're going to apply it to you as, a, as, the, as the buyer. But they're not going to necessarily be the creatives that you really need. That's the entrepreneur.
0: Got that. So you and I have been speaking a little f- – Theoretical, you know, at this level, let's drill down and and give a real life situation. So, um, go ahead and come up with an example, if you would, from your own life, your own business, where you were not listening um, to the people around you, and based upon that, you made a decision and you move forward with it, and it cost you in the end. Give us a share with us that story, really briefly.
1: Well, you know, it's it's interesting because. Um, when it when it comes to listening to, to the staff and making decisions, um, a lot of times those are very short lived, pain, painful decisions. But thankfully, they, they didn't have a long tail. Um, I've t- we've taken on. You know, I had an idea one time of opening my own uh, training school First for skilled trades machinists, and I, I I thought it was the right way to go. I thought the marketplace needed it. All the data points were there. Um, I, my staff kept saying, "You know, I don't think anybody really wants to do this." and said, "No, there's a huge need in the marketplace. The, the demand is there." What they were basically saying is, "Yeah, there is a demand, and nobody wants to pay for it." Mm. Like, "Oh, well, that's called being a charity. Nothing wrong with being a charity, but I, I, I choose not to be one." Um, so that, that's definitely an example where the staff, like, you know, they, they're like, "Boss, no one's going to want to pay for this," and, and they turned out to be right in what. We did by taking our time to launch and really talking and hearing, what not going in with all of the answers, listening to the people who are going to be taking the classes, saying, I can't afford to pay for it. Listening to the clients who are going to be taking on that talent, saying, I don't want to pay for it. They have the mentality that students should pay for their education like a college world. They say, well, these guys are making you know, 10, 12 bucks an hour. They want to do better. They don't have the money the necessary to do that. Their parents can't afford it. You've got as the employer you've got to kick in. Well, I don't want to. Hmm. That pretty much puts out the, you know, takes the wind out of the sails, the boat's gonna sit there and float. The flip side of that is there were times when we really had an idea and we would test it. We were the first, first recruiting company in the skilled trade space to go nationwide with one location. And that helped give us a huge competitive advantage. We could do placements anywhere in the country. And we believed, and again, this is 15 years ago before that the virtual world really existed. And it gave us a huge leg up because we were able to place people around the country that we didn't have to have a a $200,000 brick and mortar investment to have an office in their city. So it did open up the world for us and for our candidates to get them better jobs. And we were told, well, you just can't do it. It's going to be too hard. It's going to be too hard. Well, we recognized that having a wider path spread across the entire country versus being geographically limited was not the, the path to growth that we needed to be able to execute. And the great part about it is we, we were very, um, we put guardrails in place, we put margin guardrails in place and we wouldn't do work that went below a certain margin. And fi- we found out that we were able to, to make some very attractive, profitable placements by taking a different approach.
0: That's really powerful. What would you say, what would you recommend to Startup Nation right now as far as um, putting in, how do I want to say it? Kind of lost my question there. You know what? Let me jump to the next question. Um, you know, this is a live show. That's, that's what I love about it. I don't edit anything and this is entrepreneurship. What would you say, Todd, is the number one fear that really messed with your head uh, back in that first year
1: before you made the 100K? Oh gosh, that's a, that's an awesome question. And I wish more entrepreneurs were asked it and I wish they would be honest about it, but because you asked and I feel your audience deserves an honest and authentic answer. It was absolutely the fear of failing, the fear of not being enough, the fear of not having all the answers. And also coupled with that is the fear of success. It's a weird dichotomy that I'm afraid I don't have all the answers. Oh, crud. If I have all the answers and I get it right, then what is my life going to look like? And we, we don't know sometimes what we don't know. And it's that scary part of looking out into the blackness of entrepreneurship and not recognizing that, hmm, chances are someone else has also walked this path. There's a resource out there. I didn't hire my first coach until I was in business for almost 10 years. And I only hired him because I was so afraid of failing. And I realized I couldn't do it all on my own. So that's the first thing I did is I got help. But it took my ego and my pride, which don't care, 10 years to be pushed aside a little bit to say, hey, I don't have all the answers. I need help. And I've had a coach in my life ever since for you know, ever since 2006. That's how much I now believe in that, that methodology. But again, the, the, to answer your question, earlier, I was afraid of failing. I was afraid of losing my house. I was afraid of disappointing my son, who at the time when I started the company was age five. I was, yeah, I just didn't want to look like a failure. How'd you get over that? How'd you get past it mentally and actually work through it? I went, I went down before I went up. I, I became essentially in 05, 06, I became clinically depressed. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't go into my own company because I didn't have all the answers. Because I was putting all this pressure on myself. I gained mm-hmm. weight. I, you know, I was just, I was, diff- I was a difficult, unhappy human being to be around. And to get through it is I reached out. I got help, I talked to, I joined EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization, which has a forum component to it. And I shared with the people on the forum who are all also other entrepreneurs that this is how I feel. And you know, to, yeah, not to violate confidentiality, but many of the people sitting in that room that day said, I've been there, I feel your pain, I still feel your pain, you're not alone, we will help you. Oh, that's awesome, uh, I don't, I'm not alone. And then they said, you know, most of them come to find out had coaches. You need a coach. The coach will be there to walk the path with you. The coach will be there to give you ideas. The coach will be there to hear your ideas, give you critical feedback, and hire somebody who's not our age because we're all in our 30s at the time. Hmm. I hired a guy with 25 years of experience, and he did. He walked that path with me. And his biggest thing was you're going to have tough days, but every day celebrate whatever minimal successes you have, and be grateful for that because gratitude is so key to being able to do it the next day. So really, I mean, it was an evolutionary process. It wasn't just, it wasn't like in the movies where there's a silver bullet or or one scene where the skies opened up, the the beam of light came down to give me all the answers. I wish it would have been that easy. Reality was, it wasn't. That's powerful stuff. What are you, um, how long did it take you to
0: make your first 100 K in this business?
1: Um, you know, we were really lucky and fortunate. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. We started the company in 97, 1997. The country was at full employment, kind of like it is today. We, we turned a profit uh, day 72. So we were very fortunate, kept our costs very minimally. We, I would say year two is when we, we reached 100K. In, okay, in, so it took you two years, you years, years right? So. But then the, the flip side of it is, I burned through that and another five hundred thousand over the next few years. So yeah. it was a quick rise and a and a, and a really slow descent to, to hit bottom.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So Startup Nation, I always like to re- remind you right, because it's easy when I have some of these guests on where, like Todd, right? He's doing seven million gross revenue with his business, and you're like, man, they did that. They look at their numbers. I wish I could do that, right? And it's that comparing. Why am I not successful yet, right? And I believe comparison is the thief of joy, right? And, and, and you, you give away your joy every time you compare to someone else who is further along than you. Instead, like just look at where you are right now. Todd had great advice from his coach, right? Celebrate the little victories. Celebrate the little wins that you have every single day. Soon you'll get there. It, it takes time, right? And not everything's overnight. Like Todd, it took him two years right? That's 24 months of stress, worry, anxiety before you hit the 100K. Then even when he ha- hit the 100K, he didn't build the, in the foundational systems and processes to really sustain that. And it quickly, it or slowly descended, right? And he went backwards before he went forward again. Yeah. So uh, Todd, what do you want to add to that?
1: Oh, I was gonna say, so the, the reality really is this, in year seven and year eight, I didn't pay myself anything.
0: Wow, seven years in and you still didn't pay yourself anything.
1: Like yeah, that. So I paid myself in the beginning. Yeah, it was so. The, the reality I think for entrepreneurs can be is you can plateau. You, if you're not growing, you really are dying. And if you're not able to understand where where, where are your tipping points in your industry, every industry has them. Where is the increased demand and the diminished supply, and how can you fill that gap? And if you're able to fill that gap, then you'll be good. But that gap continues to move and change over time. The companies, you know, the companies I used to compete about, most of my competitors are now out of business. They either absorbed or they just went under. It's a matter of you've got to stay light on your feet. And the other reality, we talk a lot about this in EO, is people think, okay, I'm going to make $100,000 and that's going to make, make me feel great. Or I'm going to make $200,000 and I'm going to feel twice as good as when I made $100,000. The reality is this money doesn't fix whatever holes you have within you. Money doesn't fix whatever demons you have. Most entrepreneurs start a company because they're chasing a demon or they're chasing a ghost. There's a lot of literature out there on that. And the reality is, until you're good with yourself, whatever that means to you, no matter however much money you have, whether you have enough money to go out and buy a a plane or you've got enough money to buy that ideal house, reality is this. Until you are at peace internally with yourself and you have that almost a conscious capitalism mindset. My experience has been in my experience. A lot of my entrepreneur friends have been no matter how many zeros you have after that one, it doesn't fix the, the, the pain or the hole within you. Yeah,
0: that's uh, <laughs> yeah, it just, uh, it's like when you drink alcohol, right? It, it, it just brings out what's already inside, right? right? It just shows it even more. All right, right. Let's. Uh, what would you say would be the number one? You've had a coach for all these years that's really turned your business and your life around, it sounds like. What would you say would be the, the number one best advice that you got that really has lifted you out of where you
1: are? You know, that's a great question. I think the biggest piece of advice I've received from any coach, and they've all said it to me in their own way, but I, I work with uh, one coach right now. He's, a, he's actually a neuroscientist. And he talks about how we think as entrepreneurs and how we think as people, and he has taken basically the word failure, reframed it. helped me reframe it so it's no longer part of my my vernacular. Which, we're going back to you know when I was younger, failing was was terrifying. Failing was win lose. My my fear was what what did I do today that created this result that looks like failure that I have to own and be responsible for. And it's, it's a really simple process. His name is Dr. Daniel Friedland. And he basically talks about that failure doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. Because if you do something and you learn from it, and then that learning takes you down to the next step in your success path, and the next step in your success path, the failure really is nothing more than steps along your pathway to success. And that blew my mind. It was just the, abil- the ability, and it freed me up to try new things, to try different things. You know, so I, I was afraid to travel silly as it sounds, Uh, I wouldn't leave the United States. I figured, you know, I'm going to get, you know, it's going to be like a bad episode of Taken. Liam Neeson's going to have to come and save my butt because I've been, I've been absconded with, uh, since I've been able to shift that, that mindset last year, I was in six different countries. Uh, I spoke at, I had the privilege and honor to speak at the university of South Africa on entrepreneurship because I'd gotten over my fear of travel. Because it really I, I, is that fear of failing, that all those fear-based mindsets. If we as entrepreneurs and we as 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 contributing members of society, we as parents can can create that wide path that, hey, you know, it's today it didn't work out. Well, tomorrow I'm gonna try it differently, or I'm gonna do it different. That ability to learn and use our higher cognitive powers—that's been the biggest shift for me.
0: Now, Todd, how did you internalize that? Right? Because what you said again—it was very. Th- you know just theory type uh you know and i've heard it so many times before right uh, but how did you internalize that and say okay like failure doesn't even exist like i'm making it up i'm making up stories that you know i'm that like doomsday scenarios it doesn't exist it's just steps in, of learning like how did you internalize that where you got it out of like just in your brain but you actually experienced it where you could and act upon it? Is that a clear question?
1: Sure. So the, the way, so how I used to look at failure was I failed, I suck. It's my fault. And I owned it all. Absolutely. Start to finish as the entrepreneur heavy as the head that wears the crown. That's how I saw it. What I've been able to do now, especially because you know I've had the real blessing to work with so many, so many people, people that I've coached and hearing their stories. And I, I, I learned through teaching. I repeat, reinforce that. I do it with with entrepreneurs. I do it with my son. Um, I, I do it now. I, I'm in a, a great relationship, and I've got an eight-year-old in my life for the first time in 20 years, and I work with her on those things. And just to see those light bulb moments, that's the power of it. But it, it's really the ability to realize that if if you try something and it doesn't work, it just didn't, it, It's to, like, let it stop. It just didn't work. Now, what are you going to do? So it's really, so I created a whole process around it. It's first of all, recognize where my mindset is. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's where my mind is. I'm thinking this, this, and this. All right, well, that's not really true. I, I don't suck as a human being. I'm not a failure as a human being. I got up, I got out of bed, uh, paid my mortgage, I paid my taxes. I'm a contributing member of society. Boom, okay, I'm not a bad guy. All right, what's my strategy around what I want to do? Well, I want to do this, this, and this. Well, how, what are the three ways I can do that? Okay. We're going to pick way number one. Then I execute on that. And I give the latitude in the room to recognize that this may not work. And that, and it's the, that ability to say it may not work and that's okay. What am I going to learn from it? Mm. Um, and then I do it over. I do it over and I try to get, and it's that, that methodology of mindset strategy, execute, iterate over and over. It's, it's a, it's a, people talk about the doom loop. I treat it like a success loop. And honestly, the silliest thing, I really learned that from playing sports. And I'm going to be 50 years old this November, and I still play competitive baseball around the country, fast pitch baseball against guys who have baseball cards. I was never that good. I'll never be that good, and I recognize that. And I, and I watched these guys, and I talked to them how they handle failure. And they said, you know what? My job as a baseball player is not to get a hit. And like, what do you mean? You know, it's, it's a win-lose. Either you got a hit or you didn't. he goes, no, 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 no. I have to square up the ball and I have to hit it as hard as I can. But there's a good chance that the defense is gonna catch it because they're also good. So I did everything in my power to hit that baseball as well as I could. And if they catch it, I have to feel like that was a successful at bat. There's gonna be times when they don't get it. Well, then I get the reward of the hit. And there are gonna be times when I hit it awfully and it flares into the opposite field and I get a dinky hit. Well, I'm gonna take that as gravy because I really know I didn't do my very best. It's that mentality to recognize that everything's not win-lose. That you can do your very best, you can square up that baseball, and you still don't get that hit. Doing your very best, you can do that sales presentation to a client you really want. And someone, you can do the best presentation ever, but he's gonna give it to his brother-in-law because he wants to make his wife happy because a happy wife is a happy life. There's a lot we can't control. All we can do is do our best. And learn again. Colonel Sanders, my hero. Thousand nine appointments. What well, I always say to this when I, I was just on stage in Toronto, I said, "What would you guys do a thousand and nine times to get what you want to do and to get where you want to be in life?" That's really what it comes down to. Is you just gotta keep stay in the game.
0: Man, that's powerful advice. You know, thanks for going there, Todd, because I th- I think that opens up a lot for you know my listener. Right, we all struggle with that. That that you know, fear of failure. And when we create this story and this huge meaning to it, like I am a failure rather than, oh, I didn't get the result I was looking for. Right. Like we internalize and make it, I am a failure. There's something wrong with me. And you've learned how to just take it. And I love that baseball scenario. It's like, just go for the, just go to make contact with the ball every time, right? That's, that's your only goal. Whatever the result of that is, is none of your business. <laughs> like sometimes it's going to happen sometimes it's not like that's powerful stuff right there so startup nation listen to that that advice and
1: wisdom think about a successful baseball player the successful guys who make 10 million dollars a year fail seven out of 10 times they hit 300 if that means that means seven times out of 10 they fail that's how it goes i just <laughs> i've never seen it not no i've never seen anybody in business or in sports or in life go yeah, bad a thousand it just doesn't happen
0: you know that's powerful stuff, right there, Startup Nation. So, like, even in business, right, the 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 super successful entrepreneurs, the Gary Vaynerchucks, uh, you know, the Mark Cubans of the world, right? They fail seven out of ten times. They're the major league ball players. They're in the limelight because they're swinging ten times. That's why. You're not because you're swinging once and you're even that swing, you're hesitating because you, you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss. Take the swing, keep swinging the results in none of your business. I love that. So, uh, Todd, what would you say is the one thing that you want the world to
1: know about being successful in business? What's that one thing? You know, I think the biggest thing, I, I can think of two things. One, if you are successful in business, recognize that you didn't do it by yourself that it took a team, it took a, whether it's your, your internal team, whether it's your vendors who believed in you, whether it's your bank who believed in you, whether it's your family and friends who are, you know, where do we get, typically get our first month, round of financing from the three Fs, friends, family, and fools. Well, someone believed in you.
0: Mm.
1: Didn't, you know, so humility is really important because I know a lot of entrepreneurs when we were younger, we thought, Oh, look what we did. Look what I did. No, look what this team did. And this team is the stated and the known and also the unknown. The, the wife who is willing to, you know, accept your crankiness after a bad day. The kids who you may miss a game because you had to go to a sales appointment or take a client out. Those are the people who buoyed your success. It, no one, whether it's Cuban, Branson, or anyone else, ever does it alone. And so that's the first part. I think that the second part to remember is going back to what we talked about it's all about the margin. I would, you know, I have a seven million company. I'd rather have a $900,000 company with 60% margins. I would trade that all day, every day.
0: That's, that's powerful advice. All right. So startup nation, we are listening. Um, we got, we got the guy, we got Todd Palmer on the show. You can find him at, advisors.com forward slash 100k extraordinaryadvisors.com forward slash 100k todd thanks for putting up that link uh what's available to our listeners on that link what are you offering them
1: well i i think one of the most powerful things that that entrepreneurs can do for each other is, is to create a sounding board and create that conversation that uh, you know I just I saw something where, where Mark Cuban had had lunch with Warren Buffett at Dairy Queen recently. I mean, it just cracks me up. Well, Buffett owned Dairy Queen, so they're probably able to get good seating. But they, they these <laughs> entrepreneurs sat together and they talked shop. They talked their passion, they talked their business ideas. So I'd like to offer that to your audience. I, you know, if you go to extraordinaryadvisors.com, go to our section, mention that you heard me here on Joe's show, I'm happy to give you an hour of my time and we can talk about anything you want. We can talk about, you know, how to how to figure out what your why is, what you can talk about, figure out what your purpose is. You can, you can ask, like Joe did, you can ask me anything. I'm pretty much an open book. I'll tell you all the silly, stupid things that I did and how I pivoted off of those to, to get to a certain level of success. But I think it's important for an entrepreneur alone. Again, an entrepreneur alone is an entrepreneur at risk. I've been very blessed and I've been very fortunate to have coaches and people in my life who have given to me. I'd like to, Joe, I'd like to give that same opportunity for a conversation back to your audience.
0: So Startup Nation,
1: you would be an
0: idiot to not take up Todd on this uh, complimentary offer. Go to extraordinaryadvisors.com forward slash 100 K and book an hour with, uh, with Todd, man. Now, Todd, I'm guessing you charge probably several hundred dollars an hour for your time. So that's several hundred dollars of value. I know some of my buddies, they charge four to $500 an hour as attorneys, right? Guys, that's, that's $500 value that Todd's giving you right now to just speak through some of the business challenges you're going through. So go check that out immediately. Also, I see on there, Todd put up, uh, download Todd's free strategy guide called the four pillars that you need for your business. What are those four pillars that you need for your business? So Todd, this is my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. This is where I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. First things that comes to you. Are you ready, sir? Let's do it. All right, Todd, what's your favorite sound? The laughter of a baby. Love it. What's your least favorite sound? (laughs) Whining. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Oh, I want to be a baseball player. No doubt about it. Look at that. And you're doing it. I love it. Todd, what are you most afraid of? I'm a, You know what? The thing I'm most afraid of today is that I'm going to run out of time, that I'm not going to be able to live the life as long as I want, as comprehensively as I want with the people I want to live it with because time is finite. So wow. I'm afraid. I'm always afraid I'll run out of time.
0: I get that. What did you spend
1: way too much time doing your first year in business? Trying to please everybody. Not, yeah. not knowing who my ideal client was, trying to be all things to all people all the time. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Uh, I think the secret fear I have about people is that they will, they will judge me. They will, they will prejudge me before meeting me versus give me a chance to just be myself. Mm, I get that. That's a big one. What
0: do you wish you had learned sooner in your, in your business? Oh, that it's gotta be about the margin, not about the revenue. (laughs) (laughs) Got it guys. It's all about the profit margin, not the gross revenue. Scott, uh, Todd, what's a a new habit you want to form?
1: You know, I think a new habit I'd really like to form is the ability to have the more more peace of mind on a daily basis versus having the the monkey mind that most entrepreneurs have. (laughs) Got that. What's a bad habit you want to break? Oh, wow. Um, Good question. No one's ever asked me that. Uh, you know, bad habit I'd like to break. You know, honestly, I'd like to sleep more. I don't get enough. Mm. Rest and I am realizing that as I'm getting older as an entrepreneur, energy, time and energy are my two most valuable resources.
0: I could probably, I have a resource for you. I just started, but I, I can tell you after the show, uh, let's pick three words to describe who you are now,
1: who I am now. I would say is someone who's authentic, transparent and vulnerable in every circumstance where it's safe to be that way. Like your show is a very safe place to be. Um, I think cause that, that allows me to be my most authentic self and authenticity is my number one core value. Love that. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Oh my gosh. Only three. Um, <laughs> I was, I, I was arrogant. I was uninformed And I was frightened. Wow. That's the first time I heard frightened. Arrogant comes
0: off so many times with so many guests. It's like we have this (laughs) thing going on. Imagine sometime in the distant future and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it
1: says on it. Oh, that's, I love that question. Um, I would say on my tombstone, I would like it to say he was authentic, transparent, and vulnerable with all those he met. He treated time as the precious resource that, he, that it is and that he loved deeply, and that he defined success. He redefined success later in life as not, not monetary, but success is doing what you want, when you want, as often as you want, and with whom you want to do it. Got that. And last
0: question, Todd if you could come back to life after you died tell your little boy, your family, your friends, only one piece of advice, what would you say to them?
1: Ah, uh, gosh, I think if I, and I, it's so funny, I just went hiking in, in the mountains of Peru with my son and he and I had a very similar conversation to this. And my biggest piece to him was be grateful for everything you have. Even if you feel like you don't have enough, you always have more than other people and, this year, you know, to, to kind of wrap that up is we went hiking in Peru, had a great time to great, celebrate his college graduation. This year we took, we just got back and we went and built a home in Mexico for, the, for a homeless family. And to watch my son, 27 years old, break down in tears with a sense of gratitude for the life that he had and to thank me for it, brought everything full circle.
0: Man, that's powerful. Love it. What a way to finish. So Todd, uh, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you?
1: Best way is, is through our website, extraordinaryadvisors.com. Uh, leave me a message there. I respond to everybody. Um, if you want to place a phone call, you can catch me here in my office. And that number is really simple. It's 877-867-8233. Uh, I'm not here all the time, so leave me a message. But again, the best if you want a response from me quickest, it's definitely to go through the website. But again, uh, I'll return phone calls when I'm here. But my, my goal is to, to live the life I want to live. And that doesn't that requires me not sitting at a desk.
0: So Startup Nation, go to extraordinaryadvisors.com forward slash 100K. Pick up uh, Todd's free offers as well as a one-hour free complimentary consultation with Todd himself. Todd, thanks for joining us today. I oh wish gosh, you- thanks for having me. I love the conversation. Absolutely. I wish you peace, love, and another 100K in profit margin, my friend. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Startup Nation, we exceeded our six-month goal. We now have listeners in over 30 countries. Thank you for that. It's time to step up our game. I want to reach 60 countries. I want to get the this out there, right? These stories. I want to talk about making your first 100K. I want to talk about the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all get stuck in, right? I want to talk about how to win, how to succeed at that level. We have 80%. Uh, of entrepreneurs failing within that, that stage of business. What if we can make it 78%? What if we can make it 75%, 70%? You see where I'm going there. That would dramatically change the world. Join me in that vision. Go to first100k.com, become a patron of the show. Um, so show your patronage, right? First100k.com. I'm Joseph Warren and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and I will catch you right back here next week. God bless you.